Ever wanted a career in football? From TV deals to player transfers, football is now a global, multi-billion dollar industry in need of qualified professionals who know the sport inside and out. Brought to you by the Global Institute of Sport, the Masters of Football Business is delivered by experts from Australia and around the world. Learn online with unique access to networking and guest speaker events at the iconic MCG. Be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree. Apply now to start in February 2022. Learn more at gis.sport FNR. gis.sport FNR. The lead has uh, gone to 11 points over the festive period at the top of the table. Liverpool, of course, having a game in hand to make some of that up. Um, but they extended their, uh, their lead over Chelsea with a win. Over the weekend, it's 12 points. Uh, City have a, a, another game in hand on, on Chelsea as well. And Guardiola was absolutely beaming after the game, not because they won, but because across 180 minutes against Chelsea this season, they only allowed one shot on target. It's outrageous. So, I mean, this wasn't so much uh, a defeat for Chelsea as a chloroforming. They were basically bundled in the back of the City bus and didn't really participate in the game. Mm. And one of the most interesting um, pieces I've read, opinion pieces in, in the Premier League uh, so far this year, has been Ken Early's uh, on how Manchester City leaves you feeling a little cold despite how good they are, despite how technically brilliant they are. Um, you know, his lead in, uh, has any team before been so good and left behind such a paltry, paltry emotional impression? And I think this is a lot to do with Manchester City's style of play being uh, Guardiola's obsession with eliminating transition moments from the game and not allowing anyone to try anything that is unlikely to result in a goal and therefore being an exciting goal. Like mm. the, the, the unfortunate thing is that the most uh, wealthy team in the league is also the most optimised in that, you know, statistically it's unlikely that a player will score from 30 metres, so City players are generally not really allowed to shoot from 30 metres. Unless unless it's Kevin De Bruyne yeah. bearing down on goal uh, <laughs> yeah, against Chelsea yeah. as he as he did on the weekend. But you're, you're exactly right. I think, um, again, as a Liverpool fan, you know, I, I obviously see uh, or consume uh, a lot of Liverpool-based uh, media on social media or on articles or YouTube videos or whatever. And there's, there's obviously that, you know, whether or not it's a manufactured rivalry or not, given the title races that they've been in the last couple of years. But it's something that, that I've seen pop up uh, a few times and, and I, I look forward to, to reading that article after the show because I'm interested to see what, what Kennelly has to say. But I'll read you a little passage from it now, Go actually. Um, this is Guardiola, you know, going on and on to the media, you know, oh, guys, this is so good. One shot, one shot on I'm target. So, I am so happy. More 180 than, more, minutes. More than you believe. <laughs> so happy. Um, if the final whistle came as a blessed released, uh, a blessed release to all concerned, at least nobody could dispute the city had been the better team. We deserved it, said Guardiola. I like football when it is fair. I was happy to win against Arsenal, but we didn't deserve it. And when we deserve it, we feel better. This clinical smothering of Chelsea felt better than the deliciously unjust 2-1 victory at Arsenal with the crazy 93rd minute winner by Rodri. Most fans would disagree. That crazy Arsenal match with its chaos, controversies and violent swings and momentum was the obvious dramatic highlight of this 12-match winning streak, which has mostly consisted of City taking candy from a series of babies. 
But then the gap between football as understood and practiced by top coaches like Guardiola and football as understood by and experienced by the fans has never been wider. Mm. And, you know, if you saw the the scenes in the stands after that 93rd minute Rodri winner, I don't think a city, a single city away fan was still wearing their shirt after that <laughs> one went in. You know, that was the, you know, winning when you don't deserve it is almost uh, sweeter as a match-going fan. But for Guardiola, you know, because it wasn't quote-unquote fair, he doesn't have the same emotional response to it. And I think that's very interesting. And, mm-hmm. you know, our... I'm sure City fans are enjoying, you know, winning all these games and being in contention for so many major trophies, but I don't think the neutrals really relish watching watching City play. The like I, I hear what that's saying and I hear the argument, I really do. But what I what I am struck by is just an overwhelming sense of but this is the direction that football is going in as a whole. This is a symptom of the broader problem, not the problem itself. As in, you know, of course, if you give a team as much money as City have and you allow them to spend all that money and to buy the success that they do, then it makes sense that at some point someone will come along and go, what's the, what, what's the way that we can play to minimise the opportunity for us to lose to teams that we shouldn't lose to? This is it. All right, we're going to do that. Like, that's what football is, has, uh, hasn't always been, but is becoming. Mm. And that, that I mm. kind of, I feel the same way about the fact that you know, Liverpool and Chelsea always beat Norwich and Burnley. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, I, football isn't fair. It's not fair. <laughs> it's, it's not. And I don't know, you know, I don't think City are the only ones who are experiencing or benefiting from it being unfair. I think they probably do it more so than lots of other teams. And I accept that point, but, but it's not fair. That's what, that's what we sign up for. We, we still watch. I also think, um, you know, dominant teams of the past have provoked stronger emotional responses in other supporters. Uh, If you flash back to, and I know we've all only really seen highlights of these teams, but the initial Manchester United side, a team of bastards essentially with Cantona and Mark Hughes, you know, stepping on people and (laughs) uh, flying into tackles, Roy Keane, you know, that was uh, a team who scored a lot of late winners had mental toughness and strength and all those kinds of qualities and, a battered opposition into submission. Um, you know, the the treble sides of Ferguson were much the same. Maybe they were flashier, but uh, they reserved their brilliance for sort of moments of drama. And there was always kind of competitive tension involved in those games. Uh, so what are some of the other dominant sides? Like Mourinho's Chelsea, for example, uh, were the ultimate like kind of wrestling heel in the sense that, you know, they had, um, you know, Frank Lampard and John Terry as players that opposition fans love to hate and so yeah. forth. But City f- is just sort of bland to me. Like it, there are almost no uh, players that you can say the team is actually built around because, you know, you could say, oh, Kevin De Bruyne, he's irreplaceable. And then he misses most of the season and C- City still win the title yeah. comfortably. For and sure. Ilkay Gundogan randomly scores 10 goals. <laughs> you know, Riyad Mahrez, Raheem Sterling, these amazing players who City would be just fine if they left, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's, there's, a... there's no, there's nothing to latch onto as as a neutral fan or an opposition fan uh, for this team's identity. It's just a series of like interchangeable pieces. There's not a lot of personality about it. I think is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, there's sort of a a structural perfectionism or something. I've, I don't know, like what to call it, but you're exactly right. Where you can just move any of the chess pieces and it's like 
nothing's changed. Like, I mean, part of the... Like, imagine if the title... <laughs> we can all replace him, but actually yeah. you can <laughs> and you will. <laughs> exactly. A- imagine if the, the title race was super close right now and Liverpool obviously don't have Mo Salah and, and Sadio Mane now and you're thinking, okay, well, how's... How how are they going to find the goals? And and if City were were in the same scenario and didn't have that outrageous sort of depth, how exciting that conversation would be. But you know, for Man City, like you said, if Sterling and Mares are injured, well, uh, guess we have to play Jack Grealish or Phil Foden or Bernardo Silva or Gabriel Jesus or Ferran Torres up until he left, of course. And you know, I'm sure they'll. Strengthen again in the summer and probably sign Erling Haaland or something stupid. And the other thing is the the style of play isn't uh, built around end to end. It's the opposite of that. It's a game played in you know the one half at a time, yeah. designed designed to be such so that City don't concede goals in transition. So they monopolise the ball. Mm. So they play it in the half court, so to speak, and commit any number of tactical fouls to stop the opposition going the other way if they need to. Very cynically, so I think it's a it, Maybe also a, as you talk about trends in the sport, Oscar, uh, a result of the kind of analytics revolution in football where you have all these XG maps and you know exactly the areas where players are most likely to score goals and therefore, you know, the city, this city team and their dominance has been built around, you know, De Bruyne, moments of brilliance aside, uh, a series of tap-ins, essentially. Yeah, that's that has been the Man City goal, that work it wide, the cutback... Um, you know, six-yard box, the, yeah, the, open the, goal. The and it doesn't really matter who that player is yeah, on the end Yeah, I mean, it. Gabriel Jesus, Raheem Sterling, they're, they're always there at the at the back post to, to prod at home. I've, you know, I I make uh, every effort I can to, to remind my Man mm. City fan uh, mates that Gabriel Jesus is a, a tap-in merchant. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, how does will this team be remembered? And... Uh, to me, it uh, it only conjures up feelings of indifference uh, if you mm. set aside the kind of um, ethics of the ownership in the FF- FFP stuff. Uh, fundamentally indifferent. It's like the default outcome is City winning the league. Yeah. There's not much, um, yeah. There's, there's there's not too much to be said after the season is is done and dusted when City are are, are the title winners because it's like if you ran the simulation a thousand times and they you know, win at 900. It's, if, if I can just add one thing, it's, it, the Premier League has become, to, to coin a, you know, a movie quote, or it's become, it's become the thing that it's, it almost sought to destroy or, or was proud that it wasn't in that everyone always said La Liga, Barcelona or Real Madrid are going to win it every year. Bundesliga, Bayern Munich win it every year. Liga and PSG win it every year. And, you know, the Premier League always had, is it going to be United, Chelsea, City or, you know, Arsenal in years gone by and, and obviously Liverpool now in the last handful of years, it's become that that sort of dominant thing. But Josh said, you know, how um, how would this Man City team be remembered? I'm keen to 
Get your thoughts on it. Yeah, that. but I don't want to answer that. I want to say something else first. <laughs> okay, something sure. First. <laughs> Maybe my apathy levels are just far too high and, and, and the world sucks and I hate everything. I don't know. <laughs> when I say stuff like, you say, you know, Liverpool are different because if Liverpool lose Salah and Mane, for example, that, that team becomes really different and it significantly drops and they can't do the City thing. And I hear that and I accept that. But Liverpool are going to go and spend some money on a better player. They're going to buy... The, I wouldn't the be next so sure. Sure. <laughs> the big teams will go and replace their players with yes. players, and Liverpool yeah. will always be okay. And yeah. Luton Town are always mm. going to be the losers from that relationship. Yeah. Like I've kind of, I, I accept that it's um, an, an, a, to a greater degree, Manchester City are doing that, but that's what football is, and I, and I think it's a it's a myth, it's a pretend thing that English media and fans have created about the Premier League being meaningfully more competitive than everyone else because. The same six teams are the ones competing for the six with, you know, a few coming in and out every few years. Like, it's, it's, that's what it is. And, you know, that's no more competitive than Serie A. And I accept that, you know, Bayern always win the Bundesliga. That is true, except for when Dortmund doing something. Like, like all of these leagues are just on this different point of the mm. spectrum, on this different scale of it's not fair. And, and so I find it hard to be, you know, particularly... To, to have a response, I guess that's kind of the point to have a response to Manchester City. <laughs> but, but, but like, no, like to, to feel that that's any less fair or any less appealing than all the other, than, than the fact that, that, that all the other teams that just spend more money and beat all the smaller teams because that's what football is. That's what it is. I mean, we do. but there's always the element, no matter the economic, uh, I guess, inequality in football, there's always the element because it's a low scoring game mm. that there can be an upset. But City, I'm feeling that less and less because the other team is almost not participating in the game. You know, Liverpool always give you a chance. Say what you like about Liverpool's massive transfer spend in 2018 or whatever. Um, but, you know, they they attack, they leave space in behind. There's often high-scoring games that they're involved in. You know, they always give you a chance. Uh, Chelsea sometimes fall short in front of goal and they can be beaten. You know, they, they but Manchester City... And I'm increasingly feeling like they are across a 38-game league season, maybe not so much in the Champions League where Guardiola has the propensity to do something insane and completely <laughs> change the game plan, like dropping his entire midfield in the Champions League final last year, for example. Um, but across a 38-game season, I think Manchester City increasingly are almost invincible. And in a one-off game against a smaller opponent, where you used to have a little bit of... Um, like a, a little bit of end-to-end -end action, a few, a few meager opportunities, a few scraps for, you know, a crystal palace to feast upon. Yep. Now they're only registering a couple of shots a match. It almost can't happen. I, I, I do accept the point that, that Manchester City do do that to a whole new level of, of, of taking the fun out of the game. Like, mm. I, I accept that. I dread watching them, really. Mm. I, watch, I love watching the highlights, but I dread watching 90 minutes. Mm. And that's, that's a kind of an indictment on a team that should be like super entertaining to watch just by being the Harlem Globetrotters, but they're actually quite careful and conservative in the way they maintain possession and don't take risks. Yeah, well, that, that I like... But from Manchester City's perspective, from Pep Guardiola's perspective, that gets him the results and that's what he's there for. Yeah. Like, like, as in, what were we expecting to happen at mm. some point other than a team to exploit that fact and go, how do I... What's the most foolproof game plan that we can have? All right, here it is. Let's do that. Yeah, I think the... No, I'm not saying it's not smart. It's obviously yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah for sure. The, <laughs> it's just a shame. I, 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 yeah, and I, I hear what you're saying. I'm not, I'm not saying that what you're saying isn't true or is wrong. I'm just saying that that's not, 
that that doesn't bother me in the way that you know the whole structure bothers me if, if we're going to talk mm. about it but yeah yeah i think that's uh that's probably a, a deeper conversation to be had over yeah. a number of uh of hours and days and and months and years pro- uh, probably but yeah there, there certainly is that feeling that you know teams particularly the smaller ones i mean even as josh mentioned the the two chelsea games against man city the the manchester derby where you know teams Liverpool just were competitive Liverpool, Liverpool had wow. a fun game with City. We should have beaten them, but we'll, uh, hmm. we won't yeah. touch on that one. But yeah, you just get the feeling that teams roll over against against Man City now, which is uh, is upsetting because, um, again, like Josh said, you always felt that you know Selhurst Park was a tough place to go, or Turf Moor was a tough place to go, and you know even as as incredible as those Manchester United teams were, which you know to be fair, I guess they had a they had a little bit of that themselves. The you know, Man United are going to win the league every year sort of thing. But it was at least, yeah, there was sort of some unpredictability, uh, I guess, about it. Whereas City, you know, this 12-match 12, 12 winning streak, we're thinking, oh, only 12, all right. Hmm. You know, because it, it will become 13, 14, 15, 16. And well, what's the record? Is it 16? I think Liverpool did it a couple of times in their title winning season. City have done it a few times. But, you know, City have Southampton, Brentford... Norwich, Tottenham, Everton. I mean, can list any list of opponents. It, they, they don't really ever look like losing to anyone except for Liverpool because Liverpool is a team that will um will never back down and uh, and would always take it to them. But look, I mean, you, you can say what you want as well about about all of that and about the money spent, but there's um there's no denying, obviously the 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 quality that that they have and and the job that Pep Guardiola has done and the, and the players that they have, um, I guess unfortunately the way of the world and the way of the the sporting world in particular the footballing world is you, I guess these days you sort of just put your hand up and say well well that's, and the thing uh, is they're so entrenched they're so entrenched that losing three or four of these first team players would almost not do them any harm because they've got this amazing youth academy now mm. with players sort of plug and play type players so. Um, it's a real gauntlet that's been laid down to, I guess, the other super clubs who do have, you know, the money to maybe compete with City, to maybe uh, build something approaching uh, what they they have and try and compete with the ball, for the ball again and try and beat them at their own game. I don't know. Maybe that's suicide. Thomas Tuchel certainly seemed to think it was. You know, he, he didn't take any risks in that game. I guess... Chelsea have to take their fair share of responsibility for how how dull that first versus third affair ended up being. Because yeah. I thought it was, you know, two of the best 11s ever assembled in Premier League history and it was one of the worst games I've ever watched. And that's, <laughs> that's what got me thinking about this. Uh, I love, uh, that's, yeah. Them's, uh, them's the way. Sorry ways. to bring the, uh, yeah, the, the mood of the show down <laughs> yeah. so much. No, not at all. Um, 